Hello and welcome to another episode of 321Go Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scanlon, joined by Jamie Burke. Or Jamie Burke. I do that every time I say your name, Jamie. I always say it's all good. Jamie Gallagher, owner of CrossFit Burke, uh, just outside of DC. Jamie, welcome back on the show. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. I don't know why. I, you know what? And even when I'm like talking with people, mm-hmm. you know, I'll talk with somebody about front desk. And I was like, yeah, you should talk to Jamie Burke. I don't know why <laughs> I do that. I, I apologize for that, ma'am. Um, but Jamie is a member of our leadership team here at 321Go Project. He is a business coach. He's a contributor to our hub platform. He is a rock star on our 321Go Think Tank Facebook group, um, always coming in with some awesome knowledge. So we got to talking about retention and how gyms are maybe missing out on some retention tools. So we decided that we would have a conversation on the podcast today about that. So Jamie, I just want to throw it to you real quick uh, and get your... Maybe just a history of some things that you maybe thought were working really well for you as far as retention that maybe didn't have any measurable results or maybe something that you sort of accidentally came across or maybe uh, the point in time where you felt that retention was a thing that you needed to actively pursue. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Matt, I'm glad you asked that question because uh, a lot of people have have maybe been told to have like a joy girl or some sort of member member uh, client outreach person or something like that. And um, what, what I feel with that, I think that's a great idea. And if it works for you, awesome. Um, it, it really never worked for us. Uh, you know, turnover in that position would be high. I would maybe have like a college girl or a guy do it and then they would graduate or, or move on or something like that. So it never really stuck the way that I wanted it to. So what, what I've done now is uh, when we do on-ramps, all our on-ramps are one-on-ones with, uh, with the client before they get introduced into the class. And those coaches who, um, who are leading that on-ramp, they are now responsible for that, for that member. And what they'll do is, is they'll look at the activity or the attendance of each athlete that they're in charge of. And if someone hasn't been in in like 10 days, two weeks, something like that, they'll actually reach out to that person. So because that relationship's already been formed and th- that athlete trusts that coach, it, it's, a, it's a better uh, way to, to find out what's going on with that athlete. Is it vacation? Is that why they're gone? Is it, you know, something in their life? Whatever it may be, reaching out to that person uh, from someone that already has developed that relationship has worked really well with us. And when and when someone doesn't respond um, to a uh, to a coach to, to their coach um, after two times, it gets kicked to me, and then I actually step in and and reach out to that person to kind of see what's going on. So for how long after I go through an on-ramp would I be followed up with by the coach that I went through that with? Three months. Okay. Three months. Yep. And, and so each so I'm, so each coach then has sort of their bank of athletes that they – and is your on-ramp done in a one-on-one setting? It is. It is, okay. yep. So that relationship is built right from, from the get-go. So – what what sorts of tools do you have in place to help those coaches understand, you know, 
you know, Susie hasn't been here for two weeks. I'm going to reach out to her. How does that coach reach out to Susie? And, and what is sort of the gist of that message? Yeah, so uh, you know, we we talk about that during our staff meetings, you know, different scenarios that, that may pop up with, you know, Susie not, not coming in. And really it's, uh, hey, hey, Susie, uh, this is Jamie. I've, uh, you know, I'm just checking in. I haven't seen a gym in a, in a few weeks. Just wondering, you know, what's, you know, what's going on and, and how can we help you get you back on track? Let, let me know how we can help. Simple as that. And, and then from there, obviously, that conversation may become more, uh, more specific as Susie reaches back out and describes what's going on. Or they could say, Susie could reach, reach back and say, hey, I've just been really busy. I'm really sorry, but thank you for reaching out. So how do you set that up then with your coaches to take ownership of those duties? Are they, are they compensated for that time spent in those three months after? Or is that sort of understood as a part of their compensation for doing the on-ramp? Or how do you, how do you structure that part? Yeah, so uh, my, for any administrative duties, my coaches get paid $15 an hour. Mm-hmm. And the way that the, um, that, that the compensation is broken out is into four 15-minute segments. So that you would be paid $3.75 for every, every 15 minutes that you've worked on this, um, on this client retention strategy. Gotcha. So you've essentially taken the similar strategy of having a single person doing it for the entire gym, but you've broken that out as to like, this is my sort of corral of athletes that I'm in charge of, of managing retention. Correct. So did you always have this system? Did you have this system in place from day one? No, no, I actually, this is like the third month that we've had it. Gotcha. I just started it. Yep. And good, good feedback so far. Yeah, so far, I mean, in fact, like the first week that we did this, uh, uh, a woman who had just finished her on-ramp, you know, the five personal training sessions with my coach, she, she didn't show up for like a week, 10 days, something like that. And, and my coach reached out and she's like, oh, thank you so much for reaching out to me. I'm really nervous about getting into the class, you know, and, and he's like, hey, I coach on this time on this day, come into my class and, and we'll take care of you. And that was it. That's great. So what? Di- um, so you said that you had tried having like a customer service manager, but the turnover was just too high with that position to manage it. Did you have anything in place like day one? I'm tr- what I'm trying to do is get an idea of the evolution of this retention process. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, from day one, no. It was more like it was me. It was me at day one. You know, because I and when I first opened, I you know I had some structures in place for sure, but something as detailed as like having a customer retention strategist was something that it, it didn't really occur to me, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I just thought people love CrossFit. They're always going to come to CrossFit. And, you know, and, and so uh, I would say maybe six months, eight months in, I started exploring a, a client retention specialist type of role just because the gym was growing my my duties were, were were evolving as an owner, and I just didn't have all that time to 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 think about reaching out to the people who were not in there. I was, you know, I'm I'm handling like new people as well coming in, and uh, and so that we needed to create a role, and and we had someone who did it for a little while, but you know she graduated, and the the, the, the that role sort sort of fell off. So I then was like, you know, let's 
but we, there's got to be a better way to do this. And I have a really good team of coaches and I wanted to empower them more as having buy-in to the gym with the athletes, not just like come in, coach your hour, two hours, whatever it is, three hours, and then go home. Like, no, literally like it, I can't talk to my coaches and my staff of, and my athletes about building relationships and then let my coaches not continue to build relationships with the athletes as well. And this is how it kind of evolved into it. I really like this idea, Jamie. So one of the big things that I hear from new gym owners especially is sort of what you talked about. You know, you said everybody's going to come in and love CrossFit as much as I did. They're going to be as into this gym. They're going to want to change their lives. They're going to they're going to drink the Kool-Aid as, you know, as quickly as I did. And I think that's a big fallacy that that I think holds a lot of people, a lot of gym owners back is is almost projecting their own feelings onto onto their clients. And uh, what do you see is wrong with that? You probably have heard, you know, what is your retention strategy? Oh, we have a great community. I feel like that's leaving a lot on the table. It's just simply leaving this stuff up to chance. So, Jamie, what would you say to? I mean, what would you say to that gym owner that has this assumption that people are going to want to change their lives? They're going to want to be in here, and retention takes care of itself because this community is awesome. I would say fitness and CrossFit specifically is a great idea. The execution of getting your butt to the gym at 5 a.m. or at 5.30 p.m. after a, a long day of work um, can be hard for a lot of folks. It may start off as this really great idea, but then when they actually have to execute it day after day after day and, and really feel um, uh, feel inspired to go in and feel like they're uh, uh, like they're, that whatever it is they're doing is changing their lives. Like sometimes people just get get uh, discouraged or disappointed, or you know, life gets in the way. And so when when that starts to happen, it, it, it's our job as coaches to to reach out and again see what's going on behind the scenes uh, and inspire them to come back and, and maybe even set a goal setting uh, fifteen minute meeting where we sit down and maybe. We re-strategize on like what's a what's a better plan for them. Is it personal training? Is it uh, you know maybe it's uh, remote coaching or or something like that just to keep them in the fold. You know, I, I we were talking uh, before we started recording. I was looking for the statistic that I hear I hear quoted off the cuff uh, quite a few times. Um, but but I see anything from I mean there are a lot of sources in this article that I'm reading right now about retention. Uh, but it, it goes from anywhere from four times to I see as high as 30 times more expensive to acquire a new customer than it is to retain an existing one. And so I think that the importance of retention can't be overstated. Um, you had just mentioned additionally that oftentimes somebody will come in and sit down. You know, somebody comes in and sits down for a 15-minute goal-setting session. If they've sort of fallen off the wagon for a month or two, what usually comes about in those goal-setting sessions? Um, is it, do they take advantage of more services? Do they kind of, are they reinvigorated with their training? What, what sort of happens? It, it's a mix. It's a mix, just depending on what's going on in their lives. Um, 
sometimes we've uh, we've actually placed uh, people on hold, like their membership on hold, and then then transition them to some personal training for for a month or two. Uh, sometimes we we, have, we do hour long sessions and thirty minute sessions. Sometimes we'll say, what it looks like to me is is that it, it's you need you need some more accountability. So how about we do one thirty minute personal training session a week with one of our coaches? And then the rest of the week, you know, knock out two or three sessions, just depending on whatever their situation may be. And if they don't go to CrossFit, at least they have that that one thirty minute appointment per week with with someone on the staff where they can check in, and that's a way to again keep them in the loop. Um, and then once that once their sessions are over, hopefully we can transition them back uh, into the gym as a as a regular uh, as a regular attended member. Right, and and I think that most people open a gym because they really enjoy the group class model. You know, like they love the group group classes, and then you actually become the gym owner, and you realize that a lot of people don't even have that level of accountability. To where even if there's a if they've got their regular people they go to class with, they still may be inclined to skip out on those classes as well. And you know, a question that. I get asked a lot, I'm sure you get asked this as well, is how do I do more personal training? I think a simple three-month follow-up where you're touching bases and letting these people know that, hey, one-on-one is a great option, and that's something that we offer, and chances are you won't miss a one-on-one appointment in a time where you would probably skip out on a group class. Mm-hmm. A- absolutely, and, and the great thing about the one-on-one uh, piece is that it is scheduled for your availability for that client's availability you know so if you, you know i tell i tell uh, our on-ramp clients when they when they start scheduling their their personal training sessions with our coaches like if you want to work out if you want to work out at 5 23 a.m to 6 23 a.m i'm going to have a coach that can do that like it doesn't have to follow the class time the pt is based on your availability on your schedule and and that's the the beauty of it I like in the value. Yeah, I like that. I think, you know, so let's leave. I want to I want to button up this discussion on having a formalized sure. retention strategy with maybe some first steps. Again, if the gym owner is sitting there and thinking, you know, my community takes care of itself, people are retained, maybe they're not even tracking their actual retention. Um honestly, I I think Jamie I, I have not really met what I would consider like a top performing gym. I've not come across one that did not have formalized lines of responsibility as it relates to retention. I just haven't. Maybe there are some out there that somehow magically managed to do it without having a formalized process, but I just have not met a top performing gym that that does not have something in place. So, Jamie, what would you... To the listener out there that that is like, you know what, I probably need to get this together a little bit. What are some good first steps that they can maybe take to begin to formalize some of these things with their clients? Absolutely. Um, I I think it starts from the moment. uh, This would be be like a broad view. Um, The moment a person walks into your gym uh, to, to learn about who you guys are and what you do to that that complimentary consult. If you're not doing one-on-one consults, you need to do it because that starts that relationship building process. 
I, I really truly believe retention's about the relationship um, piece of this. So you do your consult, maybe you have an intro class in there. You're, uh, so you're building that relationship. They go on to their on-ramp, again, one-on-one on-ramp. Group stuff for new CrossFitters can be really, really intimidating. And so uh, having that one-on-one, again, they have that mentor, that coach that's leading them through that. And then they get into the, the classes. From there, if you use the, the, the model that I have where my coaches are actually the ones reaching out to these athletes who, who may, may have fallen off the wagon, there's that accountability to their first CrossFit coach. And we all know growing up, you know, letting that coach down that we, that we, that we that has, have inspired us and has helped us out, like that's something we, we, haven't, we don't like to do. So really creating a more personalized entryway and also uh, a personalized approach to reaching out instead of having some college person or you know some some stay-at-home uh, parent or something like that that may never have met this person now they're, it's, it's it's kind of like a you know when when the cable company calls you about something you're like I don't I don't know who this person is but it's more personalized when your coach reaches out to you and says hey you know where have you been mm-hmm so so that 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 would be my strategy i couldn't agree with you more jamie and i don't think that that could be understated that man i just it's i made a huge mistake for a long time that my first point of entry should be a free class for people you know that just like first class free where you throw people in um at the point that I really got interested in in tracking my numbers and realized how just dismal those pass through numbers were from like free class every Saturday into a membership, it was less than one percent of people. And really, I started to look around and I was like, "Well, I'll just look at every single gym in my city, and not even just CrossFit affiliates. I'm talking." you know, yoga studio, spin, all of these like micro group class gyms and all of their, all of their thing was free class. That's your thing. Your first class free. And it really bothered me how vanilla I looked compared to all of these other places. I just like, it it just made me feel like I was not providing an exceptional product. Right. And then the Mm -hmm. day that the the point of entry for anybody was that we're going to have you come in, sit down, and then we're just going to listen to you. Like mm-hmm. those pass through numbers have been above 90%. And so even that, if you, if you have somebody come in and sit down, they don't even exercise on day one and you just simply listen and take notes and learn about this person. Like that is a pretty incredible retention tool. Absolutely. So, all right. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome, like, great first step that I think people could could easily begin to implement within a couple weeks. Uh, I want to move on to another topic somewhat related to retention and and also a pretty controversial topic in, in our circles. If you've ever been in any of the Facebook groups where this discussion has been started, uh, it gets pretty heated, and the, and this discussion is around contracts or agreements, whatever you want to call them. Um, I've I've gone both ways. Uh, we don't you know necessarily take a hard stand on things. Some things work for some people. Some 
things work for other people. Um, so we're just kind of sharing some experiences that we've had that have either worked or not worked. So, um, Jamie, you, you sort of discussed that you are formulating some new thoughts around contracts or agreements. Um, and, and so I'm interested to, to kind of hear where your head is at right now as we begin this discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, at CrossFit Burke, we have we have a 12-month contract and a six-month contract for our adults. And then we have this thing called a hybrid contract. It's month to month. It's unlimited CrossFit. And then it comes with four 30-minute personal training sessions every month. And those personal training sessions don't roll over. It's, it's use it or lose it. Um, so that that's like the highest that the highest price in it, and, but I would say also the best value uh, membership that we have. There, that's a we've had we've been doing that for uh, two months now. I think like three people do it. Mm-hmm. It's it's not very popular, but I assumed it wouldn't be. Yeah. Um, it, you know, that's either that 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 the folks who use it are either really new um, and they really like the PT aspect of it, or they're actually trying to really push their their fitness to to another level maybe they're uh you know trying to do really well on the open this year or something like that um but uh so we have a 12 12 6 in this hybrid and then for our students it's a month-to-month contract now i've had some discussions with some of my my friends in in my gym my area in northern virginia about about contracts and you know, it's it's split just like the 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 cross community at large, where you know some gyms do contracts, some don't. Um, but a, a, a buddy of mine, he said, you know, I uh, I'm I'm going towards a model where once you finish your contracts, whether it's twelve months or six months, it doesn't go month to month after that. You actually will re up for another twelve month or six month contract. And and the reason why he's saying this is that. You know, he's not looking to sell today, but he may sell in the future. So when you when you have a bank come in and do evaluation or an accountant come in and do evaluation, all those month-to-month contracts don't hold as much value as a contract for 12 months or six months or something like that. Because once that new owner takes over, that new owner could lose all those month-to-month contracts because maybe, you know, that, that owner switches things up or whatever the case may be. So what you're doing is you're, you're uh, creating more value for, for your business by having these 12 month or six month contracts that just, that, that just flip. Now, so uh, that's something I'm thinking about doing. Playing devil's advocate here on contracts in general, Jamie, some of the things that we hear is, well, if somebody doesn't want to be in my gym, I don't want to hold them to being in my gym. What what say you to that? Uh, that, that? I love that question. I love that response, too, because uh, the great thing about being an owner is that you get to choose who stays. If you have a bad apple, just get rid of them. You can always cancel the contract. You're the owner. And you know what? Someone who's a bad apple and you have, you sit them down and you're like, listen, man, or, or you know, whatever, and you're like, you just don't fit our, our culture here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to go. Um, and you know, don't worry about fulfilling the rest of your contract. It's, it's really not that important to me. They're going to feel pretty crappy and they may even beg to stay, but like you're the owner, you can cancel anyone's contract. That contract is, is to, to provide some stability for your business, not, uh, you know, to keep bad apples in your gym. 
I would fire a coach. I could have a coach on a, a year contract if, like, a few months in, they they steal something or, or they insult a member in a way that's totally inappropriate. They're going to be fired. Like, it, we we hold the, the leverage in, in, in who can stay and who can go. So that's a that's a funny argument, and it's I think people look at it uh, in the wrong way. I think oftentimes when people say that they there's a fear that there will be like a quiet resentment of the gym, and they continue to go. I that has never I I I have since started doing uh, six month agreements, and that has not been I have not noticed that at all as being the case where there's a you know, people resentful of the thing that they committed to. Um, I, but, but again, I, again, who's to know? Maybe there are other, I, I do think, here's what I think, Jamie, on, on the contract issue. I, I think that by providing a contract to somebody, it does require you as the gym and as the owner to be on top of your game. You know, it's not that, ooh, I got somebody to sign this. Now I'm just going to slack off and not provide a good product. Um, it's It actually, I enjoy it because it provides a very high level of accountability to me. Like, I want to knock your socks off for the next six months so that you want to do it again for another six months. At the end of that, do it again for another six months. It, it, it provides a very mutual level of respect, in my opinion, between athlete and owner. I, I agree 100%. I, I couldn't have said it better. It's, uh, and when, when people do sign the contracts, that you have that stability as a business where you can kind of grow and do other things to make sure that you are providing that high level of service. If you're always like, I don't want to say in this, um, uh, in, in this, oh, oh man, is Mary Smith going to quit this month? Like you're like, no, you know, Mary Smith's going to going to be there. And so you can start growing programs and experimenting with stuff and know that it's not going to sink your business just because, you know, you try to, an idea that just fell flat. And, and there's almost like this, I feel as though as, as the owner, I've signed a, a sort of like unwritten contract, let's call it, that when there's new equipment needed, I will purchase that equipment. And my members have the right to expect that from me. Um, when the heater breaks, my members have the right for me to pay to fix that heater when the plumbing goes out, you know what I mean? Like they're whether written or not, you as the owner have all of these sort of unwritten contracts with your memberships that you are required to fulfill. Um, I see nothing wrong with the reciprocal agreement. You know, it's, I use this example. I was telling you before we started recording, like it's snowing and it's, the roads are kind of crappy out here and, not all of my coaches have four-wheel drive, so they're waking up 45 minutes earlier than they would need to to get to work on time. There's an expectation that a class exists at that time always, no matter what, whether whether you as the athlete come to it or not. So I think in a, in a way, we as owners hold ourselves to a contract or hold, hold ourselves to an agreement of operation and asking for a reciprocal level of commitment, I don't feel like is a wrong, is a bad thing. I, I agree. I, again, you, you said it yeah. wonderfully. I, 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 if I, if I were to add anything else, I'd probably ruin it. That was beautiful. <laughs> so uh, let's, uh, 
I w- again, I want to go back to devil's advocate here. Um, I, I don't, you know, let's say somebody says, I don't want to chase somebody down for collections. I don't want to send somebody to collections. Mm-hmm. I don't want to ba- uh, bother, you know, collecting on somebody not fulfilling their their contract. Um, has, th- has that ever been an issue for you? I think there's been, uh, I think, one one athlete that uh, I wanted to collect on. Uh, and it was because um, he essentially lied to me. And it, it was just, a, it was a crazy situation. It could have been resolved. Um, and it got kind of contentious. But uh, I was, I was taught, I was told not to, by my legal counsel, i.e., my wife, not to uh, to uh, go forward with with, with the collection. So uh, it's only happened once. So uh, where I wanted to do it, um, and uh, I, I don't know what I would do in the future when it comes up because it probably will just based on pure numbers and statistics and probability. So uh, I don't know what I would do. It depends on how, how you know if they've got two months left. I, I don't think it'd be the juice would be worth the squeeze, but if it's two months in and they cancel their credit card or they shut down their bank account or something like that, like it, it, I mean, I, I just think going to small claims court or something like that, I'm not saying it would be an easy win, but you know, it'd be an easy win because you have this written contract and the judge is going to rule in, at least in Virginia would rule in my favor. Yeah. Um, Something that I've done on that front related to cancellations that have worked really well. I, I have had very few contract cancellations, but something that that I may be a little bit of a softy, Jamie. I, I don't know, but I, I do do a fifty percent contract value cancellation fee. So if you cancel two mm-hmm. months in, your cancellation fee mm-hmm. is fifty percent of the remainder. However, mm-hmm. I I allow. Um, I allow the person canceling that to use that cancellation fee as a credit for personal training. And so that personal training, you know, so oftentimes this amounts to maybe eight sessions. So over the course of mm-hmm. a month, that cancellation fee gets applied to personal training services. Cause oftentimes when people don't come in, it's, they say that they don't have the time, but in reality they just don't have the motivation probably to create mm-hmm. that time. And so Personal training, as we've talked about several times now, people don't miss that session, right? So mm-hmm. now all of a sudden you get that athlete coming in and they do mm-hmm. 8, 10, 12 personal training sessions. They actually start to see the results that they were in there for originally. And oftentimes you sort of retain them down the line, although they ended up mm-hmm. canceling their original mm-hmm. group class contract. Yeah, I, I would. Uh, I think that's a great idea. I, I think this situation would have to dictate it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to see if like are they worth that kind of investment, yeah. or 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 you just cut or cutting bait is the best option too. But yeah, I think that's a great idea if the situation warrants it. I like that. So let's say that again. I always want to come back to like the tangible thing. We've had this conversation, you know, we've had these types of conversations a lot, but, um, let's say there's an owner out there listening and maybe thinks that, you know, what are my sort of exit strategies for this business? I, I maybe will want to 
purchase a building to build some long-term equity. I'll maybe want to sell this business or a portion of this business. Um, you know, recurring predictable revenue is sort of necessary to acquire financing for pretty much anything. Um, you know, there are some instances where you would probably be able to, to secure financing without contracts in place. But um, for any major bank, I would imagine that financing would probably require some type of long-term predictable revenue if you're if you've been open for you know less than seven eight years so owner listening to this i would like to explore the idea of having agreements in my gym jamie what are maybe some first steps that they can begin to explore on this front uh if you if you do want to have uh contracts in your gym uh there's plenty of brief free resources out there on the internet. Um, use that, use that as kind of a guide. Um, but just know that if you don't look at your state's laws and maybe even have a, an attorney, uh, draft it for you, that it may not hold up in, in your state. So if you did go to collections or small claims court or something like that, it may not stand up if it's not legally relevant for your state. So, Having, but, but having some sort of formal agreement with that athlete professionalizes the, the relationship that you get, that you have with that athlete. So even if, even if it's not legally binding, that, that person signing it though is agreeing to the terms of that 12 month, six month, three month, you know, commitment, whatever it may be. But it, but just know that it may not hold up in a court of law. However, we hope not to go to the court of law. So maybe that would be, that's a good first step. It's just having something written where they sign it and, and then you can use that as to, to help hold them self, themselves accountable. And, and I would say you don't necessarily even need to do um, contracts only. I think a good first step would be you have your contract and then you have a month to month option that's maybe 20, yep. 30, 40 bucks more expensive than the agreement option. And you know, that convenience of canceling whenever is, you know, there, there has to be a cost to that. You need to be able to yep. build that into your, your operating expenses. I totally agree. Uh, if you do do month to month and you have another, and then you have like a contracted uh, agreement of six months, that, that month to month needs to be more expensive than the, uh, than, than that contracted one. Like you, if you have convenience, there's a cost to that convenience. Just that's why personal training is so much more expensive than group classes. You know, that's why my my uh, drop-in fees are more expensive over the long term than than, than a, a, a regular monthly membership. So, you know, if there's convenience, there's a cost associated with it for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie, yeah, I really appreciate your perspective on that. I want to wrap up here. Um, talking about continuing on this conversation uh, related to retention. Uh, the, the CrossFit Games Open is upon us here shortly. Uh, what are we, like eight weeks out, give or take? Uh, yeah, give or take. Yeah, so yeah maybe else? a little less. Okay, yeah, by the time we're recording this, we'll probably be less than that, uh, or by the time this airs. So I want to talk about, Jamie, how do you use the Open to, to boost retention in your gym? Yeah, I've got a, I've got a great story um, about the Open. So uh, we opened in uh, December of 2013. And uh, so our first open was in, in uh, February, March of 2014. 
And, you know, we had, we had a, you know, small membership base at the time. And, uh, and I'm telling all the athletes, Hey, sign up, sign up to opens for everybody. It's this fun thing. And, uh, and so people signed up for it. The first workout was like 50 double unders and, uh, like 10 snatches or something like that. And it was a 10 minute MRAP. I had athletes who still didn't know how to do double unders. And so like, I have athletes struggling for 10 minutes trying to get like that first double under, which, you know, can be cool. But at the same time, though, it's like what I told them, hey, the opens for everyone. It's it's fun. It's all these things. And I'm just like, oh, man, that felt really flat. <laughs> and uh, and it to this day, those athletes that that um, did it, they, they still when the open time comes around, they're like, hey, you think they'll start off with double unders yes. this year? And, and, and I'll be like, well, it doesn't matter because you have them now. But uh, anyways, fast forward to uh, last year, I decided to do the intramural open. And, and the way the, what that is, is it's creating a, basically a, a competition inside your gym. Um, we know that going to the CrossFit Games is, is basically a professional endeavor now. If you're not training, you know, five, six hours a day, five, six days a week, um, and you are really just dialed in on your training, you're, and, and being genetically gifted, you're, not, you're probably not going to make it. So how, how do we as gym owners stand in front of our, um, our gym and say, hey, spend your 20 bucks, sign up for, for the CrossFit Open, and, uh, and have fun with this thing? And so the way that the, what we've done is we, we've done this thing called the Intramural Open where last year we created five teams inside the gym. I, I chose five um, athletes to be the captains. And they weren't my best athletes. But they were athletes who um, were great ambassadors for the gym, and so they they we had a, a draft. So I think the registration this year starts January twelfth. We're going to have our draft around February fifteenth. Even though the open starts like ten days after that, the end of February, we're going to have a draft where all the people who are are pulled. I'm going to take the captains to brunch, and we'll have have basically like a fantasy football style draft, snake draft and, and things like that. And once we get the team set, the next day free agency starts. And what that means is the people who haven't signed up, the coaches are going to, or the, the captains are going to try to recruit them onto their team. And the, they can recruit, say a, a captain recruits 10 people. That doesn't mean they have those 10 people. Those 10 people still need to sign up for the open. So you can recruit a bunch of folks, but if they don't actually put skin in the game and, and sign in, then, then you don't get any, you don't get any credit for those, uh, for those, for those team members essentially. And so the way the point scoring works is we, we, uh, each team will get a point for participation. So Matt, say you and I are, we're captains. I have 15 people on my team. You have 15 people on your team. And during the open, only 10 of my athletes participate in the open for week one the other five maybe they traveled or they just didn't log in the results you would get 15 points because all 15 of your athletes did it i would only get 10 points so instead of worrying about going to the crossfit games you're the athletes are more concerned about their team their team goal of winning the intramural open so it it, it creates um camaraderie inside the gym for each team and we have different color t-shirts for each team so like on fridays 
they would all everyone would wear their, their team t-shirts and every class would do the workout if if that's what they wanted to do or they could wait to the evening time and that's where the real fun begins we do this thing called friday night lights and um after the last class uh we have food drinks uh, adult and kitty beverages all that good stuff and we have we basically have a we start off with maybe two coaches going head to head to kind of get the crowd going we encourage our athletes to bring their uh their significant others kids friends family whomever they want into the gym to watch them work out and uh, cheer them on and so after that initial workout with the, with the head to head competition and we we have the heats you know we may start with the scale division first we may start with the rx division which whatever makes most sense uh logistically we'd start with um when we did that last year we had um, over 80 athletes sign up for it it was wildly successful uh this year we're stepping our game up i've already uh secured a few different uh vendors that are going to help offset some of the costs of running the the open um i've got a chiropractor who is going to be the head sponsor. He's, you know, he's putting in, uh, you know, 450 bucks. We've got a, uh, a, a farm that's going to bring food in and they're, they're throwing in 200 bucks. We've got a few other, uh, Lululemon, Athleta, uh, clothing companies. They're going to come in and, and sell their wares and we're going to get a cut of their, uh, of their total revenue. So like what we're doing is we're, we're monetizing this thing because we knew it was so successful last year that now that we have, we have the, 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 the game plan and the template that now we can actually offer these additional opportunities for other small businesses to come in and be part of it. And, uh, from a retention perspective, I know that's what we started with the, if you do this intramural open, it, it will energize your gym for, for months afterwards. It, it really is a, a a great retention tool in the long run because people get jacked about about this event. It's really cool. So that's what we're doing. I like that. So the listener that it, that is hearing you talk, I mean, because that's that got me excited for for the open this year, Jamie. So uh, gym owner that's listening to this, let's say they do want to explore the idea of an intramural open. How would you recommend starting off on year one doing this thing? Yeah, absolutely. So what you want to do is depending, de- decide how many teams you want and then decide, you know, who your captain should be. That is, that is really critical. Like I did last year creating or, or, or asking your, your best ambassadors to the gym, people who are really friendly and outgoing and, you know, funny, maybe ask them to be your, your captains because they're going to, they're going to be the, 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 um, the folks who, who churn this thing that get people excited about, about signing up. Like, you know, we can stand in front of our athletes all day long and say, Hey, do mobility, you know, do this, sign up for the open. Like, but it has more resonance when it's coming from the actual athlete population and people that they, that, that people may respect or, or like. And so I would choose your captains wisely. And then from there, create that scoring system so people understand like what what's kind of at stake and uh, part, make participation the number one driver of points. So, you know, whether it's one point or two point per, per athlete who actually does each week, you know, do that. And then, of course, you want to uh, 
have some sort of point system for the first, second, third place finishers in your gym just just because people are competing and, and you need to value that too. I like that. That's great stuff, Jamie. Um, so how how did you ma- on the back end? I guess I'm get, I'm asking is how did you manage all of the scoring and keeping the spreadsheets and all that stuff on the back end? Yeah, so um, uh, the CrossFit Games website actually allows you to create mini teams um, on your. Uh, uh, it, it, you're, you can break your gym into like different teams, and so once once we knew what who our captains were and what their team names were going to be, we created these like mini teams, and we uh, I was able to go through those on the CrossFit Games website under the CrossFit Burke uh, page, if you will. I was able to look at who scored what, and then on a Google sheet, I was able to say, okay, team one has X amount of points, team two has X, team three has X, team four has X. And uh, it, it, it wasn't that tough from a, from a uh, scoring perspective because you can see, like, uh, you know, the first workout, team one had 10 people do it, team two had 12, team three had 15, team four had 15. You know, who were the top three in the scale and, and, uh, and RX divisions apply those points. So, you know, it might take every week, it might take 45 minutes to kind of nail that out, but, uh, it it wasn't that hard of a lift. Mm. It really wasn't. And then I would, then I would post the results on the whiteboard the the following Monday and or or the following Tuesday. Do you have any kind of like wrap up party at the end of it? We did. So, uh, what we did was, is we had a banner raising party. Uh, I'm at CrossFit Burke where we have really high ceilings. Our, our rafters are 30 feet above the floor. And so, uh, we created a, a, a banner like you would see at a, at a, an arena for a basketball championship or a hockey championship or something like that. And the captain and I, we went up in this lift and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and hung the banner. And, uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, I, I have to say, so it's, like it's hanging up there forever. I like yeah, that. it's hanging up there forever. Uh, well, cool, Jamie. I certainly appreciate your time. Uh, just recap some of the things that we talked about. Um, we hit on retention at the very beginning. Um, again, listeners, it's not something you can leave up to chance. You have to be very intentional with your retention. We hit on um, talking about contracts, pros and cons, and maybe. Hopefully, giving you a, a more a new, more nuanced perspective on contracts and how maybe you can implement those in your gym. And then wrapping up, um, the open is right around the corner. You should probably start planning what you're going to do with the open today. Uh, it's a huge retention opportunity for your gym. Uh, Jamie, anything else that I'm missing as far as uh, retention, open, anything on those lines? Yeah, uh, for for the open uh, and as a retention tool, make it fun. Make it fun. Um, don't make it, especially if it's your first year trying it. Don't make it too stressful for yourself. Make it fun. Let the athletes have buy-in on this thing because it's for them. It, this thing is for them. It's not for us. It's for them. So make it fun for them. And uh, the more fun you make it, the the better of a retention tool it'll be. I like that. Well. Jamie Gallagher uh, from CrossFit Burke. I, I really appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming on the show again. And uh, 
Listeners, uh, if you haven't yet, head over to hub.321goproject.com. A lot of the tools, templates, and things for retention, um, courses on this kind of stuff are all available there. If you're not a subscriber to that, you absolutely should be. Uh, 90% of the work for this kind of stuff is already done for you, um, and you just hop in there customize things, take the courses. Jamie, you just recently put a course up there, didn't you? I did. Yeah, what is I it? I did, I did. Uh, um, so uh, what a lot of people have asked me about is how how I get people from when they walk into the gym to basically that consult. And then what does that consult look like? And uh, uh, the first module is uh, how to speak to the value of your of your gym and your membership and stuff like that. And, and we go through how to, how to answer the, the two most, most asked questions when people walk in or give you a call, what are your rates and what's your schedule? And, uh, and so learning how to answer that question in a way that provides context to the people asking the questions. So they, if they're unfamiliar with CrossFit, they understand why the rates are what they are. And then, so once, once they're through that step, then module two is where they, uh, where I discuss pretty in depth on, on how to run a really successful consult and, uh, and a successful consult is all about, and, and also that, um, the, the, the rate, the rate value is all about building that relationship from the very beginning. And so if you start building that relationship from the very beginning, going back to retention, your retention is going to be much higher. I like that. Jamie, I, I know from experience that you, not very many people deliver a better initial consult and discussion about rates than you do. And, and I, I think it's worth noting that you're, that CrossFit Burke, you have some of the higher rates that, of most affiliates that I've seen. And from the sounds of it, there are no issues whatsoever um, for people understanding the value that you provide. So kudos to you on that. Listeners, uh, go subscribe to the hub. Take Jamie's course. You will see like a 1,000% return on the cost of hub simply by learning how to do a really good consult. Something that is better than come try a free class because literally that's what everybody around you is doing. So really stand out, differentiate yourself. And I think Jamie will provide some amazing context around that in his course. So that's um, hub.321goproject.com if you want to take that um, take that course and check it out. Jamie, enjoy the rest of your day, sir. Absolutely. You too, Matt. Thanks for having me. 